You are listening to the Living Truth Podcast with John Corr and C.L. Mitchell. Please stay tuned to Living Truth as we engage in an in-depth journey of discovery through the discussion of God's Word for the purpose of devotion and godly living. We pray that you would be blessed through today's conversation and that God would sanctify your heart in truth, for His Word is truth. Good afternoon. This is John Corr and the Reverend C.L. Mitchell coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. This is the Living Truth Podcast. And in case if you are new to us, uh, we are two friends that love to get together to talk about the Bible, theology, life, God, Jesus, and we have a fun time doing it. We usually have our Bibles with us and our coffee or hot chocolate or hot tea nearby. And we like to envision that you as our listener or our viewer, if you're watching on YouTube, are listening in to our conversation. And so welcome. If you, watch, if you are watching on YouTube, uh, we invite you to hit the subscribe button and hit the like button. And uh, we just appreciate your, your viewership. And uh, anyway, well, today, it's actually at the end of the year, what, what, December what 29th, we're doing a recording. Can you believe it? First of all, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. How was your Christmas? It was wonderful. Um, very full. May I just say, yeah. whatever Christmas was this year, how wonderful it was to gather with people again. That's right. That's right. People in live. In, yeah. yeah. We, we certainly take human interaction and fellowship for granted. Um, but this year, I think there was a little bit something special. Yeah. Um, the capacity to be able to gather face-to-face with other individuals and, and it's, how wonderful that was. It's very healthy to, to see people and to be with one another. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I love Christmas and I love uh, the anticipation of it. Of course, there's a lot, usually a lot of stress with preparing for guests and presents and everything else. Um, but I also love the day after Christmas. I don't know about you, but it's sort of like the time just to to chill, you know, yeah, and to just sort of rest after all of the preparations for the holidays. And so um, we're going to do a, a special recording today. Uh, we're plan like, like I said last time, we're going to record regularly. We're thinking perhaps releasing a recording maybe once a month, uh, depending on our schedule. But that's the plan, uh, Lord willing. Pray for that. And so uh, hopefully you'll be seeing this in the beginning of January. And uh, I don't know about you, but we usually go through books of the Bible. If you haven't uh, watched or listened to our past recordings, uh, you can do so at our website, which is uh, passionforhisword.com. That's passionforhisword.com. Our podcast is called Living Truth uh, with uh, John Core and C.L. Mitchell. We are on iTunes and I think we're on Google or something or Amazon. We're, on, we're definitely on Amazon as well. Uh, so check those out. We've gone through the Book of Ruth, through Jonah, and through other recordings. But today, we're going to do. We're actually going to start a special series of conversations about uh, the attributes of God and and talking about what God is like. So, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can get get those ready, and uh, we're going to um, just uh, dive in. And so, um, I don't know about you, but 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 to me, my favorite topic is talking about God. My favorite thing to study is is God, right? And that's called theology. And uh, you can never get to the bottom of that, and uh, and it's invigorating. And so it's, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, so yeah, let's let's talk about um, what we want to talk about. Absolutely, John. Let, let's begin with this. I think it is not only appropriate to delight in talking about or discussing or thinking about God. Um, 
to be sure, historically, theology was considered the queen of the sciences. And yeah. that is, it was the utopia of knowledge, and it was the preeminent uh, subject of that which could be known. Right. And so it is not only, or should not only be one's favorite topic, but it is the highest topic to which one can commit his or her intellect and devotion. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, you know, the subject of talking about about God is... is uh, is is infinitely great, and of course, there's there's tremendous depth and and wonderment and and an awe, you know. And there's there's to me, it's 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 sort of the 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 thing within uh, human beings that we that we hunger for is to know God, you know. That there's something built with that God has put within us to to have a curiosity or a knowledge of Him, to be attracted to to Him, and so. Now, obviously, there's a lot of angles you could take on talking about God. It's a wide, even within, you know, Christendom, um, different perspectives and, and different ways of, of thinking about God. And, you know, but but how we think about God obviously affects everything else. You know, it's it's um, it sort of defines how we see ourselves and how we see God or is how we think, whether we think rightly or wrongly about him, it affects it. And so um, I'm excited um, to... I am too. I, I, let, let me just introduce a caveat here very quickly, a, a side note, if I may. And that is, um, whether or not one considers him or herself a believer, right. any and all thoughts concerning God are theological in nature. True. And any and all thoughts which address life's major questions, who am I? Right. What am I? Why am I? all have their basis in the existence of God. Right. And so the question is not whether or not an individual is having a discussion pertaining to either directly or indirectly God. Everyone has that discussion on a regular basis. Right. The question is, are you having that discussion well, and are you well informed on what you're discussing? Right. Because it is, once again, the ultimate topic that anyone can commit his his or herself to. Yeah, and I think you know, in, in, to to think rightly about a person. Let's you know whether it's let's say it's God, but let's say it's you know a, you or me um, is important to know in order to actually get to know that person. Right? If you have right thoughts thoughts about the person, there's an understanding. There's uh, some sort of relationship, sort of uh, way of of growing closer. If you think rightly about God. You know that's that's important. Having right thoughts about God can lead to a a, a closer walk or or relationship with with the Lord. You know, Absolutely. and having the wrong thoughts, of course, can drive you away from God. You know, and so um, what you think and how you think about God is extremely important. Well, let me restate that, if I may, John. Uh, conversation, thoughts, belief, or the lack thereof concerning God has eternal consequences. Right. It is eternally consequential. Um, To believe the wrong things about God, um, um, if one is not careful, is to most assuredly doom oneself to eternal lostness. Right. Um, 
and and we should not, in arrogance, say to think the right things about God um, um, puts us uh, uh, head and shoulders above others. We should certainly broach the subject with profound humility. Right. Um, and, and by the way, it's not just accurate information or content about God. The content should result in relationship. Right. And that's, I, I think it was um, A.W. Tozer, who is one of my favorite authors. He was a pastor back in the 60s, I think it was, and, and a tremendous author of, of deep insights with God. He said, what I believe about God is the most important thing about me. And what comes into our minds when we think about God is like the most important thing to us. So there's this, there's a high calling, you know, to even just start beginning to think about, about God um, is, is, of course, important for you know, for growing close to him, that relationship. And, and so it's not just facts, right. but it's okay. How does that facts, how does that lead to a relationship with him and getting to know him? Because, you know, obviously there's a, there's that, again, that, that hunger that within the, with God has put in a person uh, for him, you know, he's, he's put that within each person. Absolutely. When, when we're broaching this subject, I think it's important for us to mention that it is epistemological in nature. And that is, yeah. it deals with the science of how we think about thought. Right. Right. And so it begs the question, what is our basis for our thoughts concerning right. God? Okay. Now I must suggest this. <clears throat> that some people object to a conversation concerning God, yeah. and some people do it on a theological basis, and someone do it. Uh, some do it, in fact, um, um, on a basis that is against theology. It, let me just talk about the one uh, against the basis of theology first. Um, Psalm fourteen, verse number one b, I believe it is. The fool has said in his heart, "There is no God." There is no God. Yeah. Um, um, there are individuals who are anti-God, anti-Christ. Um, and, and by that, I'm, I'm using this Greek term, anti, in a dual form, right? right. Either directly against, against, or they would say in the stead of, instead kind of, of right. uh, the Latin vicari, uh, in the place, right. of. In the place and of. And so it, some individuals would think there's something better to discuss in the place of God, or there are those who would say, you're wasting your time. There is no God. This is a worthless discussion. Right. Well, I think part of, I think part of the problem, too, is, is that there's, there's always, in, my, in, in my, my, here's what I'm thinking here, is when a person begins to think about God, there's already some sort of image in their mind of what he's like. So there's often mis, misconceptions, you know, right. um, inaccuracies or clouded, you know, or, mis, you know, there's... There's the maybe the idea that God is the 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 a policeman, you know, who's mm-hmm. just looking to 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 catch you doing the wrong thing, you know. And so this places within your mind this concept about God being that, and that's all. You, and so you respond or react or, or or avoid, you know. You know how it is when you're driving down the road and you see the policeman on the side of the road, you immediately slow down because mm-hmm. you feel guilty because you've been speeding because everybody <laughs> on the road speeds. And then once you pass him, you slowly speed up. There's like a concept that perhaps God, perhaps God is that... Cosmic police The officer. cosmic police officer trying to make you guilty all the time. And so if you have that conception in your mind, well, this kind of discussion, um, do you have that hurdle in your mind already, you know? And so I think that's part of maybe the the um, the... You know, prohibition, uh, the, prohibition, yeah. or or maybe that God is God is this um, 
is this, you know, old old guy in the, in the sky. You know, he's he's just kind of you know helpless and tearful, but you know, he's he's really the old man, and he's you know he's he doesn't he's not relevant. You know, he's you know he looks like a guy with a staff, and he's up there, you know, and he's not with it, and he, so so he can't really help you because he, you have that conception, you know, right. and so whatever comes to your mind, you know. It's even if you're the greatest theologian, there's going to be some correction that has to happen, or so or development or en- enrichment to that. You know. So, so if I understand what you're saying correctly, John, we do not come to this with a tabula rasa that is a clean slate. <clears throat> we have we have spell a that tabula. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have a background. We have yeah. a context. We don't come vacuous, right? We right. don't come emptily, right? And we must be careful in our approach because if we're not careful. Our thoughts can affect and infect right. our approach to the subject of the divine. So it's important when we talk about theology, talk about talking about God, and, and, and begin to have a conversation, a discussion of what God is like, to have some humility and say, I don't know everything about God, and perhaps I need to allow some flexibility or correction on my perception of God, and that takes humility as well to admit I don't have the exact picture uh, of how of how He's like, perhaps in some area or some capacity. I mean, I mean, I've been walking with the Lord for how many years? I still have misconceptions about God, and I've been, I'm yes, I'm, we all do, we all do, you know. And so there has to come humility, and I think as we begin to discuss God and to discuss what God is like, however, however. Um, deficient that may be, um, there ought to result, um, um, you enter it with humility, but you still, you exit that discussion with even greater humility, because you realize, you'll realize the the greatness and wonder of God is even greater than you thought, you know, and there's, you know, as you grow, as you grow in, in your understanding of God, there ought to result tremendous humility. Absolutely. Dr. Bruce Walkie at one time uh, was giving a warning, um, and he was warning about um, individuals' concerns pertaining to the discussion of the divine. Right. Because there are some individuals who would say, well, God is so transcendent, that is, he's so altogether other, right. that the finite cannot comprehend or grasp the infinite. Right. And so their argument was that human language is inadequate um, to, to discuss or articulate adequately and accurately the divine. And his response to that uh, um, statement was this, that, that even though human language and human thought fall short, Still, it is that instrument which God himself has granted to us. Right. And so we must find therein the sort of sufficiency that God has placed within it right. in order to think properly, adequately, and even accurately concerning um, the Holy Trinity, right. uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and I, uh, just to tag on what you just said, I mean, I mean it's true that you know, our, our knowledge of God is going to be limited, right? I mean, we're, we're finite creatures, and he's... <laughs> he, he's, he's infinite. infinite. He's infinite. So right off the bat, I mean, how can there's going to be limitations, you know, because of the fact of the the vast difference between us and him. But also, of course, you know, we're sinners. We have a, a corrupted, you know, sinful mind and and you know and soul and everything that's that has now. You have this, 
distortion, you know, right. that's there. Um, and so, and, and so you have, you know, then of course, you know, the, the incomprehensible ability of God in the sense of, you know, we can't know God comprehensively, you know, as, as fine. So there's, there's those things that are challenges, but it ought not to dissuade us from, yeah. from at least entering into, to beginning to know him somewhat because, you know, he invites us to that, you know? Absolutely. The believer at rest, Dr. R.C. Sproul said, God is absolutely infinite and absolutely transcendent. However, he is not so transcendent that we cannot know him. He has given us some common ground yeah. by means of the Imago Dei or by means of the image of God. Yeah. So while we must uphold his transcendency, we must also uphold his relationship with us or his relatability, right. as it were. Those two things have to be gathered together in tension and held uh, tightly, both of them. Right. It, with, with that said, um, it's interesting because if you're looking at kind of the, the religious thought concerning God, let's take um, um, Roman Catholicism on one hand, and let's kind of put that together with evangelicalism, sure, sure. Uh, Protestantism, right? Um, and then on the other hand, let's take um, Eastern Orthodoxy or Greek Orthodoxy. They have two different approaches right. uh, uh, to how to even discuss the divine, right? Um, uh, on, on this side, with Roman Catholicism or evangelical Protestantism, etc., they would approach the, the, the subject of the divine with what is referred to as cataphatic theology. Right. Uh, on the other hand... Uh, Eastern or Greek Orthodoxy would approach it with um, um, apophatic right. theology. Now, what do those terms, terms mean, right? What do those terms mean, rather? Uh, apophatic theology is that which cannot be said um, positively concerning God. You can only speak negatively. So, so they would suggest we cannot say anything directly about the divine. Everything that is really to be said about God has already been summated in the church councils. Right. So we can only encounter God within the experiential framework of worship because he is so transcendent. However, the Roman Catholic perspective and the evangelical Protestant perspective would say cataphatically, no, we can have catechetical or catechesis, or right. we can have instructional right. information concerning God because God has given us that. Right. And so I, I should say that our uh, approach, approach in this discussion is not apophatic. Right. Um, uh, it is very cataphatic. Right. We're going to say positive things concerning God. And by positive, I don't mean like, you know, good things about God, although all that we say about God is certainly good. Yeah. I mean, we can speak intelligently to the nature uh, and perfections of God because God has spoken to those and, things himself through his word and has given us those. And that's the thing. It, ultimately, any knowledge that we have of God is revealed by God. Like, because some people can approach and say, well, there's nothing we can know about God because God's so infinitely great and so incomprehensible that we can't know anything about God. But God has revealed, right? He has yes. purposely allowed himself to be to be known, not obviously exhaustively, um, but known uh, whether it's through through the scripture, whether it's through general revelation or, or, or reason or whatever. Uh, he has sort of open that door, you know, to, uh, to allow us to, to get to know him in some capacity. And so, yeah, there's times when, you know, like the, um, 
the Zophar in the book of, of Job, he says, can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? Mm. They are uh, high as the heavens, and what can you do? And they are deeper than Sheol, what can you know? In other words, that God's is is incomprehensible in his mind. And, and uh, Isaiah says, to whom will you liken God? Or with what likeness will you compare him? So on the one hand, there is a, a, an incomprehensibility about God that, of course, is is, he's unlike anyone we've ever met or experienced. You know, there's there, there's this otherworldliness, so to speak. But then there's there's some revelation that God has that gives us an idea. So you have the you have um, the writers in Ezekiel and 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 the Psalms where the prophets say God is like this, God is like that. You know, so there's some comparison, there's some analogy to at least give us. An idea, though not perfectly representative, but at least an idea of describing who God is, you know, what he's like, you know. So may I add to that, John? Yeah. I think it's important as a precursor that we say, so let's ask the question, can we know God? Sure. If we are asking the question, can we know God? The direct answer to that is is more complex than just yes or no. So let's just take a little bit of the complexity of that. Yeah. We cannot know God left to ourselves right. by means of our own efforts. Right. Exclamation point. Um, um, if we do that, if we suggest that, then we are suggesting that any person's approach to the divine is an adequate or accurate approach. Is inadequate. Yes, yeah. but the truth is, it is absolutely altogether inadequate right. because God can never be discovered. He must be self-disclosed. Right. And what we have within the framework of Scripture is not individuals. Uh, you know, a fallacious uh, concept of inspiration is this idea that really intelligent men were either writing concerning God or really intelligent men were slightly aided by God to give us information about God. And the truth of the matter is, knowledge of God is not just an aspect of one's human intellect. God, again, cannot be discovered. You cannot go to the Himalayan mountains, climb X so high, or you cannot go to the depths of the ocean and calm so lowly that one can discover God. From from Genesis to Revelation, even in general uh, 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 revelation, the truth is God has to self-disclose himself. And indeed, he has done that in several ways. And two of those ways, we'll put in main categories, is he has done that in a non-specific or non-particular or a very generalistic manner. And then there is a very particularistic or a specific or a very specialized manner. So let me read the first one. Uh, the general, the general, one. Uh, and this, of course, in, is in the book of Romans. This is one example of of, of <clears throat> many scriptures that talk about what yes. we call general revelation. Um, uh, Romans one nineteen, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature, having been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. And he goes on from there. So, that, so there's a general that, that, that God has revealed himself in his creation, right? He has. Absolutely. You know, but of course, you can't, that, that only gets you so far as far as 
you can you can surmise or reason or, or understand something about God. But of course, you need special revelation of the Scripture to give you more details as far as plan of salvation and, and more de- details like that. But even so, what you're saying is both examples are a revelation of God. Absolutely, that you can't uh, that unless God had had you know uh, had revealed Himself through. Through, uh, for example, in, in the Psalms, you know that the heavens declare the, the glory Psalm of God. One through four. right, absolutely, and that that's that God is is dis, uh, through. Th- you can look at the stars and the planets and 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 the size of it and the and the and all the complexities of of creation. Understand, somebody very really powerful and smart, you know, and wise put it all together, you know, and and at least get some idea that there is a very 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 powerful uh, being. Absolutely. That that put that and so, but God used that to reveal and so that's that's the one on the one hand. So what you're suggesting is in accordance to um, Psalm 19 verses one through four, um, in accordance to Romans chapter one verses 18 through 21, in right. accordance to Romans chapter two verses 14 through 15, right? That what God has done is God as Creator has created all that we see, including the unseen realm. Right. And the creator has divulged something of himself through that which he has created. Yeah. In other words, the creation says something about the author or about the creator. Right. However, what it says is, while true, general at best. It is nonspecific. It is not particular. Right. So an individual could come to the knowledge that there is a creator, right. um, but they could never come to a specific knowledge about who that creator is, right. or that that creator exists in Trinity, right. or that that creator sent a son right. with whom we can have a relationship. Right. So it's 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 general, and he's done that interestingly through the things that are external. Right. Psalm nineteen yep. verses one through four, yep. Romans chapter one verses eighteen through twenty one. But according to the text, um, as you read in in Romans chapter one verses nineteen and twenty, but you were going to, in all likelihood, go to Romans two verses fourteen through fifteen. Right, right. It's also clear within the human conscience. Right. The fact that he gave us a concept well, of morality. I purposely skipped a couple of verses to not to to uh, because he says. Uh, he says in uh, in back into uh, to Romans, he says in verse eighteen, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because uh, because that which is known about God is evident within them. Yes, right. Um, and then of course in Romans two, uh, fourteen, uh, he says for. When Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts. Right. Their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternating, alternately uh, accusing or else defending them. Um, on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. So, so you, we're without excuse in the sense that God has has given us a conscience. He's given us sort of like this inner witness of 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 Himself, you know, and and whether we suppress it or embrace it, or you know, um, we can't claim ignorance basically of yes. God's revelation because we can because um, 
and that's a general revelation, obviously, but it's, it's placed within, within, within us. And, and we have terms, right, for that general revelation. Right. On one hand, our capacity to know right from wrong, and right. by the way, that is supra-cultural, right. Right. supra-ethnic, ethnic, right? right. Supra-geographical. In other words, it is something that is above your geography. Right. It is above your ethnicity. Yep. It is above your culture. Um, it is above your education, right? Uh, every person who has ever existed has been granted by God a sense of right and wrong. Right. It, even in a terribly, sinfully concentrated society. Right. Um, have you ever heard the phrase, Honor among thieves. Yeah. Right? It's, it's well, We steal from everyone else, right. but you don't steal from each other. Right. Well, that's that's wacky to begin with. It is wacky. But, but still, they have this sense of right and wrong. And by the way, a physician can't operate on that with a scalpel. No. To remove it. No. Um, and, and, and psychiatrists, you know, uh, Sigmund Freud has suggested that it was that suppressed id. Uh, it was that right. which was suppressed upon the human being by uh, one's parents in order to block them from being as free as they want. But Dr. Freud was absolutely wrong. Yeah. This is that which is granted to human beings by means of our creator. And, and let me just say something about this, because sometimes, perchance, you may have an individual who considers him or herself an atheist or who listens to this program yeah. or, or, uh, or an something. agnostic, right? Yeah. Uh, agnosis. I don't I, have enough I, knowledge I to know, know whether there's right. a God or atheos, right? Uh, there is no God, right? Um, let me just suggest this. Uh, John, have you ever um, um, cooked a steak on a grill? Yeah. Okay. You know. You well, know that if you want. Did to, I do it well? <laughs> or, or medium well? <laughs> right. You know that if you want to retain the juices in yeah. the piece of meat um, that is a steak or a burger, normally you turn up the flame higher to begin with, so that you can sear the outside of it. Right. So that the outside kind of kind of becomes a, a bit closed. Right. It gets locked. So in. that the juices are locked in. Right. Yeah. Have you ever? I didn't know that. I had to take that tip down. You know, <laughs> sear the outside of the steak. Have you ever? Have you ever accidentally burned your finger? Yes, your flesh, and then you after it after it calmed down, you went to touch it, and there was less sensitivity where it was burned, right? Versus the other areas that are not burned, right? Right. My suggestion is, as we're having this uh, discussion, even though God has divulged Himself uncloaked himself by means of general non-specific uh, disclosure. Yeah. Be very careful what you do with the conscience. Yeah. Because the Bible suggests that the conscience can be seared. Right. right? In other words, due to one's engagement and exposure to sin, you can grow less of a sensitivity right. to that which God has placed within you. Right. So that what affects others normally even though god is speaking to you through it there is a lack of sensitivity not because he's given you less disclosure right but because what you've done with that disclosure is so irresponsible right that you have personally removed your sensitivity right to his revelation and i think it's important that how you respond to the knowledge of God will either lead to more or greater sensitivity or less, depending on whether you suppress it. Like Paul says, they, they suppress the truth, right? They didn't want to yes. hear it. 
Uh, by the way, what is that? What is that Greek picture right there? You have to describe that. Describe it because I don't remember that. Oh, it, it's the picture of a coil. Yes, because I'm picturing I'm picturing a ball like you're you're yeah. in the, you're in a pool and you have like a, a volleyball or something and you're you're pushing it down. It wants to come up, but you keep pushing it down. It's it's like a a very powerful spring. Yeah, that you have to put extraordinary pressure on to resist it doing what it naturally wants to do, and that is to pop up. Yeah. So so, so the proof and the evidence and the reality of God is there, but human sin pushes down on that with great weight, resisting the natural message so, and inclination to admit that there is it a God. It takes, but what you're describing, of course, it takes a lot of effort mm-hmm. to suppress the knowledge of God. Like it's, it's a tiring thing to suppress what you know is there, that you're trying to ignore is there, and the knowledge of God that's been revealed. You're trying, you're, t- you're t- actually make, you're doing more work for yourself by, by suppressing that knowledge than it is to accept it and, and move on with it, you know? Yeah, l- let me, let me f- phrase it a different way, John. I'm more direct. Let me just, well, no, <laughs> yeah. I, I think your directness is, is a point well taken. I just want to ask you a practical question, John. Yeah. Um, why is it that for the last five minutes you have not been swatting at the fly about your forehead or face? There's no fly. Um, that's why you haven't been swatting. In other words, you don't write atheistic books about a God that doesn't exist. Right. You don't spend hours building a podcast or looking at a Bible about a God that doesn't exist. Right. If you're consistently taking on argumentation about something that doesn't exist, right. that's intellectual madness. Right. But the fact that you are indeed swatting right. is evidence that you know there's something buzzing about your soul. Yeah, I, that's a point well taken as far as the, I'm thinking of the atheist people that 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 get really, really irritated about anything religious or anything about Jesus. And it's like, well, if you don't think God exists, then what is it to you if if, if these people are worshiping a God? And, and John, Obviously, you're, 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 ups, you're upset at it, but if God doesn't exist, if it's all fantasy... Yeah. Then what is it to what is it to you? You know, but and, obviously it's not. And and some go even more terrible. I don't know if you read the recent article that we're dealing with now in Scottsdale, Arizona. There's an article not too long from now. Oh, there's yeah. a conference coming to town, a convention. Yeah. It, it, it and this convention, the, the tag is, we're bringing Satan to Phoenix. They're literally having a Satan con. Yeah. They're literally going to have that. And, and, and here's what I want to say to people. Um, um, uh, you can do all of the anti-work that you want to, but your anti-work does not undermine the reality right. of the objective truth concerning the existence of God and Trinity. You know, just a couple, couple of verses to, um, to relate to what we're talking about in uh, uh, first, first Timothy 4 says that, uh, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with the branding iron. That's the idea of, you know, that seared conscience that you just described. Um, and it goes on to describe what these people are like. But then also in in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, mm. He says uh, in chapter 2, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, 
and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. It goes on from there. Just so they, obviously the condition of the natural medicine sin that there are certain things about God that they have to be revealed, you know, and and that are not um, that are always accepted. So, so then with that said, it seems that we are arguing that that God can be known. Yeah. If God can be known, then it begs the question: What can be known about God? Right. Um, um, let me just highlight. Uh, a couple of scriptures that come to mind, such as um, Psalm 145, verse 3. Great is the Eternal One, and highly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. Mm. God has divulged through inspired scripture that He is great, right, and that His grandiosity is not only immeasurable or infinite, right. but it is beyond limit to such a degree that although one may accurately know that God is great, right. one can never know the full nature or extent of his grandeur. So let me just, I'm going to say, not rephrase, but tag on to what mm-hmm. you're saying, because on the one hand, there's this greatness about God, this incomprehensibility of God, but yet there's this, we can't understand something of God, about God, right? You know, he's, but we can't f- fully comprehend, like, absolutely. Um, we are, you know, God's infinite and we are finite. That's right off the bat. Um, you know, we, we, we understand that, you know, great is the Lord. He's, he's highly to be praised. He's, he's, his greatness is unsearchable. Um, he's, he is Psalm 139 that, you know, this knowledge of God is too wonderful for me. He says, you know, the idea of God knowing so many, you know, where I go and, you know, the thoughts I have before mm-hmm. all these things are, so on the one hand, there's this, there's this, this never ending capacity to learn about God, which ought not to discourage us because there is at least something that we can know about God on the other side. And so there, there's this balance of, we can come, we can, you know, like, you and I can discuss theology and read our Bibles every day of our lives and grow in our knowledge of God, but we'll spend the rest of eternity, even in the presence of God, still learning more deeply the things of God and never get to the end. And in my mind, that's actually kind of cool because, because there's always that, there's always that, uh, that not that quest, but sort of that hunger to learn and grow and more. And, and to know that, that God is, is such that, that we can always ever grow in our knowledge of him absolutely is actually exciting to me because you know we you know we think sometimes the 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 um uh, the misnomer is is we often think we also we often think we know everything that we about god and our god becomes like an idol like this bottom like it's like oh i have everything all knowledge and so at some point then we begin to then try to control that god or try to you know, put limitations, but to know that God is is so infinite in that is actually it's exciting for me to to realize that because I want to know more. I want to know Absolutely. more, and so there's that 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 hunger that God has placed within us to want to know to to really want to know Him. Absolutely. But then you have also the as Paul says, "Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God." Eleven thirty three. Romans eleven thirty three. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways, and so, and so in one sense, there's this, you know, 
um, it's like a kid at a, kid at, a candy, at a candy store. Oh my goodness, there's more here. There's more here. I want more. I mean, in, a, in a good way, concerning Absolutely. concerning God. So, um, so what am I trying to say with this? He is incomprehensible, but he's still knowable. So he's not so far out that we can't know anything about him. Right. But we can know. Absolutely. If you look at, if you look at Psalm 147, verse 5, the Psalter says, Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. Now, what we're seeing are a series of, of cataphatic statements. They are instructional statements that say positively something about God. And so when you look at Psalm 145, right? Psalm 147, Psalm 139, as you quoted, um, uh, Romans 11:33. Even if you look at, um, let me just quickly turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, yeah. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Verse 10, verse 11. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit mm-hmm. of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. So what you're suggesting, John, is Scripture argues that God is great, that God has infinite understanding, that God is incomprehensible, that God is beyond fathomability. Right. And the Bible tells us all these things about him. So those are direct statements. Now, let me pause and suggest one can have this as conjecture from general revelation. Right. But this is special revelation. Right. So this is particularized in that we can know these things about God, not just in generality, but in particularity, in particularity rather, and we can know them accurately because God has said them concerning himself right. through the biblical writers. Right. So even what we know from special revelation is more sure than that which we know right. through general revelation. Right. But we can know things concerning God. It, Dr. Grudem said something years ago analogously, and I, and I think it bears repeating here. Yeah. So it seems that we can know true things concerning God. We can know that from general revelation. We can know that from special revelation. But our knowledge concerning God is like a candle in comparison to the sun. Yeah. Or like a drop of water in comparison to the vastness of the ocean. The child can step into some facet of the sea, but they hardly know that which an adult knows. Right. And an adult does not necessarily know that which the surfer knows. Right. And the surfer does not know that which the professional diver knows. And the diver does not essentially know that which the whale knows. And yet there are greater depths still. Right. In other words, 
because he is infinite and immeasurable, it should not stop us from becoming wet with the waters of the infinite ocean of our God. So let me just, let's take that one more step because we're talking about, you know, knowing God and the, the fact that we can never exhaust the knowledge of God, right? On any particular attribute or facet or character characteristic of God, we get that, you know, that, that can never happen. But, um, and so God reveals, you know, of himself through the general revelation, through creation, things like that. Um, he's revealed within our conscience, you know, but specifically it's through, of course, through the scripture and, and through the person of Jesus Christ. Um, but there's, there's a, there's a difference though, because we can have a lots of facts about God, mm-hmm. but all those facts that are given are intended to get to know God himself. That's sort of the, the purpose of it all. You know, the purpose of it all is, is, you know, as, as I, in fact, I, I, I purposely cut short at Romans because in Romans one, Paul talks about that they suppress this truth and, he he said, uh, let me go back to Romans just to to um, to make my my point here. He said um, he says that uh, for even though uh, uh, he says for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes have been and his eternal power, divine nature have been clearly seen as I read before, so that they were without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Or give thanks. In other words, there, there had this, this, this facts about God also lead to some sort of relationship with God, honoring Him, giving Him thanks, acknowledging Him, and so this discussion about about the nature of God is really as an invitation to get to know Him personally, um, and that's sort of what you know um, the wonderment of it all. You know is is we're not going to get to heaven and just learn more facts about God. It's knowing him as a person. And, like, and you know, I, I preached a message last, well, Christmas Eve. We were talking about the, the, the greatest gift, you know, the, yes. the, the series was called The Best Gift, it was building up to Christmas Day and everything else. And, and uh, I talked about how, how God has given us wonderful gifts through Jesus, you know, and I said, but the, but the, but the greatest gift, you know, there's a gift of salvation, there's a gift of... Of, of God's peace and you know and all and of His love, but I said the, the greatest gift of all is the God, is God has given Himself. Yes, the best gift of Christmas is that we get to know God Himself personally, you know, through Christ. And what better gift than for us to get to know God personally? And in discussing what He's like, there's that invitation to take that a step further into a relationship, and and it's sort of. What what Jesus says in John seven uh, seven three, he says, "This is this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom whom you've sent." There's this is it. life is all about knowing, not not just facts about God, right? But relationship with God, and 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 um, you know Jeremiah says, you know, he says in, in Jeremiah nine, he says, "Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom." Jeremiah. Let not the mighty man boast of his might, not let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts of this that he understands and knows and knows me that I am the Lord. Right? And so this discussion is all an invitation 
to relationship. Yeah, what you what you quoted in Jeremiah nine, I believe it's verse twenty three. Yep. Um, and twenty four. Yep. Um, and and John seventeen verse three. Yeah. In the high priestly prayer. Yep. Um, it, it suggests something on one scale when we discuss the the ontological transcendency that is the being of god that is altogether other in nature and above creatureliness right what you have now stepped into is the imminency right or the nearness or the relationalism of god so let's let's kind of picture that the two contrasting things that seem to let's explain that let's tease that out a little bit just to absolutely be clear in our mind because we're throwing out all kinds of words and so so when we discuss the transcendency we speak of him as being some think of it spatially but it's really not spatial because right um the doctrine of the omnipresence of god some have defined it right as god is everywhere and i don't think that that's really the better more technical definition i think a better definition is all things are before god right because you cannot um, make god spatial and, and we'll talk about that later on right but god is altogether other that is he is above all creatures right visible invisible spiritual corporeal or natural etc let me just pause just to, to te- just to, to quick pause that he's so otherly different lofty yes that he's i think it was um i don't know if it was if it was um john frame or tozer or somebody else i was reading uh, uh was talking about how even the most um you know the 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 greatest creature we can imagine mm-hmm. right or being that we can imagine is really just us taking things that we know and putting them together and sort of tweaking them a little bit you know yes but they're still within the realm of what we can think of but god is so utterly you know like like they're greater than and greater than and that's why like when when john is in Revelation or uh, or is writing Revelation or Ezekiel is seeing the vision or you know that they're they're like they see this creature and it's something like this and something like that right and then as they, as as uh, they get closer to the throne of God there's like well it's sort of like a throne and it's sort of like a man of throne but it's not like it's because I'm I'm reaching the limits of my own vocabulary to describe something that you know there's probably things in creatures in heaven that. We have no analogy for it. My my point is, is that everything we think about, God, there's the limitation to what we, to our own vocabulary, basically, in our own. And Absolutely. so God is, is way beyond that. And he is, he, he and and so Scripture gives us God accurately. Sure. But it certainly does not box God in so that we can say, ah, I can close the book. I know all things, right. God. <clears throat> we can't do that, right. right? And so his eminence is his involvement and or nearness to that which he has created, right? Right. And so he has a nearness to the creation. Um, he has a nearness to his creatures. Right. But specifically, he has a relationship with the elect amongst his human creatures, right? Right. And and so when we're talking about that, what you're suggesting is when we're discussing the ability to have relationship, we're talking about his imminency sure. specifically in that sure. area. Sure, definitely. Yeah. Um, it, here's, a, here's an interesting thing. So how humble should we be in this discussion? We do 
theology and community. Right. And we do that with the dead and with the living. Right. Now, I don't mean necromancy by that. I don't, I don't mean yeah. contact with the dead. That's just weird. Right. Here's what I mean by that. We take the volumes of content. We don't throw that away. Right. We take all that Paul gave to us right. by the Spirit. Right. We take all that um, 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 uh, Luther... Calvin, right? right? John right. Huss. You just go on Wycliffe. Just, you know, you go on, yeah. right? Um, Polycarp, Justin Martyr. All those you dead just guys. go on, right, right. We take that. We take the modern, modern scholars. Right. And, and when we are with the Lord, others will take our thoughts as well, yeah. prayerfully, Lord right? <laughs> right. But if we were to take any individual theologue's thoughts, they would not be a drop of water in the bucket of knowledge concerning God. Right. If we were to collectively take the compendium of all thoughts concerning the divine and put them together, <clears throat> still we do not equate to a drop right. of the infinite knowledge that there is to acquire right. concerning God. Right. In fact, Dr. Grudem goes further and says, and, I, and I'm quoting him <clears throat> just because I like the terseness yeah. of his statement in this area. When we are in heaven and in the new earth, still we will never be able to know or acquire infinite exhaustive knowledge right. on any one single thing concerning God. Right. But we do have a, we do have some help. Yes. The person of Jesus Christ. You know, if you want to know as close as possible to what God is like, you look at Jesus. Um, in fact, and you know this, um, John gospel, chapter one. John, John chapter yeah, absolutely. one. I'm going to read that that verse um, eighteen. Verse. Um, that's exactly where I'm going. Good, good. And John says this. Um, I'm actually going to start with verse eighteen is our key verse, but fourteen, 14. says, "And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us." And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, this is John the Baptist, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Mm-hmm. For of, of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. Mm-hmm. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Here's verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, that's Jesus, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So if we want an explanation of what God is like. An exegesis. An exegesis. An yes. Yeah, he, has, he has exegeted uh, God. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. That's as close as we, which is phenomenal. Yes. And, and helps us out as, you know, as we're finite creatures thinking about an infinite God as flesh and blood thinking about God who is spirit, you have in the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to be very clear about that. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 argues this, yeah. that whereas God in historical times, right, in sundry times, says the King James Version, spoke through various means, right, through right. prophets, etc., has in these last days, then the Greek is very direct and emphatic, spoken in son. Right. So Jesus is not simply a man trying to tell us more information about God. Right. The reason why he can speak so intelligently to God is because he's God. In the flesh. A very God. Yes. I I love that. And so 
will we still learn, even in heaven, with Jesus there, we'll still learn more about God, but we have a full, he, you know, Christ is the exact, you know, he is God image. in the image of God. You know, we have, as we look at the words of Christ and the life of Jesus, you know, and we've done this, how many of all the recordings, we're, we're always, you know, um, just enamored with, with, with Christ, and there's still, even Jesus himself, if you, you can devote your whole life to just studying just, uh, just the second person of the Trinity, Yes, and not get to the end of, 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 of Jesus Himself. But if we want somebody that at least gives us some tangible, you know, as yes. as John said, that which we have seen and heard and touched, and and we can one still John feel it. Number one, I yes. still feel it. You know, I still hear Him. In the perfect tense. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's in Jesus. It, it, it's so that when we when we speak of Jesus, I want to be very clear. Colossians says, "In Him." Yes. dwells the fullness yeah. of the Godhead bodily. Yep. Now, let me stop for a moment and bring some correction to our modalistic um, uh, brothers and sisters That's right. um, who would look at that and say, no, it's one God, one person playing three different roles. Right. So the Godhead means in Jesus is the Father, yeah. is the Son, is the Holy Spirit. That is categorically not what that means. No. It means ontologically, ontos, right? The being right. in him is the full nature of deity, right? Right. So that, so that if you want to know what deity is like, if you want to know what the deity of the Father is like, what the deity of the Holy Spirit is like, Jesus Christ is not presenting to you less than that right. in his own stately deity. Right. Um, the prepositions would certainly argue in John chapter number one, verse number one, yep. and, and, and on and on, right, that he is distinct from the Father right. and from the Holy Spirit, um, that well, the Holy Spirit is, according to John, another of the same kind or right. of the same substance. Right. And, and Jesus is Hamausian, Hamasameusian, right. right. of the same substance. He is not Hamaiusian. Yeah. He is not of a similar substance as those within the um, Aryan uh, well, persuasion. You know, you know the early witness. church councils argued about the one iota. Yes. That was, you know, that was significant. Or at, the, at his baptism, you have the Father, you know, um, this, is my, number three. My, this yes. is my son who I'm well pleased, and, and the Holy Spirit coming down. You have all three um, revealing, and um, which is interesting. I just thought about this, is that the, the, the nature of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to, is to sort of to lead us back to Christ yes. in a sense of he'll bring to your remembrance everything I've, I've taught you. He's almost like the Holy Spirit keeps shining the light on Jesus because Jesus is the revelation of God. Yes. And yes. so, and okay, anyway, so we'll, I know as we go forward in our future discussions and we get into more of the attributes, you know, we have to always keep in mind that there's, there's this tension between the, the incomprehensibility of God, the, the transcendence of God, the imminence of God, which, um, which is sort of this, um, this invitation to know God personally more than just effects, and what we do with that, you know, with that information. In fact, when when Jesus meets the woman at the well, and he says, "You know, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth." Mm-hmm. So there's this: you learn about God, but then you take that next step forward of giving Him thanks, of honoring Him, of worshiping Him, you know, of living your life for His glory. 
and growing in that relationship with him. I don't know about you, I'm excited for, for what we have coming. And I'm excited for that, John. I, I, I certainly want to, to um, warn our, our listeners. Um, knowledge of a chair does not give your body rest. Hmm. You can know for certain that it has... Um, or quench your thirst if you know knowledge of water. Right. Yeah. You, you can know for certain that it has four legs that are of a stable nature. Um, you can know for certain that it has an adequate shape conducive to the human body. So you can have a sentia, right? I, I acknowledge that. You can have noticia. And, and I take note that that is in fact what it is. But the reformer spoke in this language, fiducia. You have not real knowledge until you entrust yourself to that which you know. Right. So the idea is, were we they to have, use... They have three terms. Yes. Noticia, Ascentia, and Fiducia. Yes. Yes. And, and so, so the idea is that, it, the idea is that you may not sit there intellectually and say, ah, I know that there's a God. Ah, I've acquired that through general revelation. Ah, I've, I've looked at the Bible and, and researched its facts, and it seems that they are substantiated. Right. True knowledge of God is to take the weight of your person and rest it soundly in Christ, who alone gives rest to the soul over eternity. Amen. The goal of this, then, is not to make more intellectual sinners, is it? The goal is that the weary soul would hear reverberating throughout eternity the words of Christ. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. To know him is to rest one's soul in him. And that rest is an adventure because all eternity will yet not divulge how wondrous he is, mm. nor how much rest he offers. A million years from now, we will say, I have come to rest in him even more soundly than before. So the goal of this is that we might know him. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us today. And uh, we pray that you were blessed. And we pray that as you watch or listen, that God would draw you into that relationship with himself and that you would uh, rest in him and trust in him and come to know what a wonderful God he is. And uh, until next time, God bless. Happy New Year. And we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Thank you again for listening to Living Truth with John Corr and C.L. Mitchell. If you would like to hear this podcast again or previous episodes, you may do so at passionforhisword.com. That's passionforhisword.com. You may also like us on Facebook at Living Truth Radio Broadcast. That's Living Truth Radio Broadcast. Again, our prayer for you is that God would sanctify you in truth, for His Word is truth.